Father, Lord, in the name of your son, Christ Yeshua, here we come again, my God, day two in the wilderness with you. Father, we're giving you our undivided attention, my Lord. We need to come in contact with this river of water that runs through us, my God, that never runs dry. We need to be in that state of being where we're never thirsting again because of this river of running water that runs through the inside of us. And so, Father, we exalt you to the highest place, Yahweh. We exalt your son, Yeshua, to his place of authority. We, Father, we exalt your spirit, my God, to the highest place as well. We come here broken, submitted. We come here just ready, my God, for whatever it is that you're going to bring to the table today, Lord. What is what is on your heart today, Father God? What is the ministering word of the day, my God? May it fall upon us with the right heart posture, my God. May it fall upon us with the right mindset, my God. May it fall upon us with the right spirit, my God, that we might be changed, that we might be transformed, that we might be transmortified into the likeness of Christ, my God. We just want to see ourselves at a higher level of glory. Whatever was holding us back in the past, my God, we pray that it be burnt off, my God. Whatever doubts we may have had, every lack of faith, I rebuke it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Every failure, every frailty, every trauma right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray it be burnt off right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Father God, that we get beyond the gnosis, just the knowing my God, and we get to the drasi, the, 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 the action, my God, of discipleship, the action of the kingdom. For the kingdom of God is not just about knowing, Father, and we understand that. Satan knows about the kingdom of God. Satan knows who you are, but he does not have the actions that go along with your kingdom, Lord. He doesn't have the actions that go along with your sovereignty. He doesn't have the actions that go along with your place of authority. And so, Father God, we want to get past the gnosis. We want to get past the knowing Jesus is Lord to acting like Jesus is Lord. And so forgive us of our past sins and our past transgressions. Forgive us of the mistakes that we've made, the mistakes that we're making, the mistakes that we're going to make. And may we be eternally covered in the blood of Jesus. May the sanctifying power of Jesus overshadow our mortal beings right now. In his name, we're praying this, Lord. Forgiveness, blessing, transformation, enlightenment, and drasi, my God. That Greek word, action, my God, that leads to action. The gnosis that leads to action. We thank you, Father. And so we bring ourselves before you, everyone that's here, everyone that's destined to be here. I want to pray for every soul that's here right now in my name of Jesus, everybody that's on the Zoom call right now, everybody that's going to listen to the recording of this Zoom call right now is included in this prayer. Everybody that was destined to come on this call and whatever it is, timing, sleepy eyes, whatever it is that's hindering them from getting here, my God, but you're in this prayer right now. 
In the mighty name of Jesus, Father God, we pray, my God, that whatever testimony, whatever glory, whatever majesty, whatever steps need to be taken, my God, may they take place. Whatever actions need to take place, may they take place. So that the fullness of your glory and your majesty and your grace be realized, my Lord, in each and every one of their lives. May their testimony exist in their home. May their testimony exist on their job. May their testimony exist in their schoolhouse. May their testimony exist in their neighborhood. May their testimony exist in the community. The actions, my God, the gnosis that leads to drasi, the gnosis that needs that leads to action. My God, I pray against every dead faith movement right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, Father God, against every uh, cognitive dissonance, my God, where we, we cognitively, we, 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 we consciously don't see how we're not adopting to the word. We, we kind of like we hear it, we kind of know it, but we do something else. I pray against that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray right now, my God, that we, we lose all cognitive disassociation, all cognitive dissonance right now. My God, that we whatever we hear and we know and we believe in faith, that we immediately move to action in the spirit realm, Lord. And Father God, we thank you, my God. We pray for the souls that have not made it yet to the call that are destined to be here by divine appointment. May they continue to adapt and adjust their priorities so that they find their place here. For those that are here, my God, may they hear a now word for their consciousness, a now word for their spirit, a now word from you, my God, that here we are, day two in the wilderness with you, Lord asking for your glory, your mercy, your grace, sharing the love of Jesus with each other and ultimately with others as we come off this call with a renewed spirit, with a renewed heart, with a decision that we've made to go forth in the glory. We pray these things, my God, and we ask for all of it, all of it that we've asked for. We believe that we're going to get it because we've asked it of you and we've asked it all in the name of Jesus Christ and the body of Christ says, can we get an amen in the house of the Lord? Amen. 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 Praise God. Welcome this morning, saints. Welcome to day two in the wilderness. And for those of you who heard the recording, amen. Praise God. For those of you who didn't, I did post a recording through the email. If you didn't get the, the link, then um, check your email um, because it's there. Um, it's going to be progressive. So, you know, we're going to try to keep everybody in line. But if you do miss a day and you don't listen to the recording, then you, when you come back on, you'll hear some of the recap, but you won't, of course, have been there for the full recap. You won't be there for the for the original uh, release of that word of that anointed word. But we talked yesterday about the idea or the concept in discipleship about a wilderness experience, how the nation of Israel was taken out of Egypt to be detoxified from the Egyptian life, to be detoxified from whatever lifestyle patterns that they had adopted that were not Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, we have uh, esteemed pastors on the line. Praise God. Pastors Harvey and Jackie Lott, Pastors Trina Houston and you know, um, Pastor, Trina, you know, Pastor Trina has been lately saying a lot of this, how everything in the Bible points to Jesus. Everything in the Bible has to do with Jesus. Everything, everything 
has to do with Jesus. And so when they were taken out into the desert and they were put in an isolation, separated from the world, that was about Jesus. That was about instilling in them the word. Ultimately, that word would become flesh and dwell among us. But before the word became flesh and dwelt among us, he gave them a written code. And the written code he gave them was given them to establish and to show them what disobedience was, what it meant to sin. Hallelujah. They didn't understand that at the time. They thought the law was the means to their salvation. But we know now through the Apostle Paul and the first century apostles and our born again status in Christ that the law was never given for salvation for all the law did was expose sin. And so the law that was supposed to bring life brought death until Jesus. But they didn't know that. They thought this law made them righteous. And in fact, it did, because until Jesus, God expected them to obey in alignment with the law as the basis for their salvation until the day that Christ came. But again, they didn't understand that completely at the time, and neither was it for them to understand at the time. They were being led in the wilderness simple to be corrected to be corrected, and to get into right relationship with God. And so there is something that's required to be corrected. And what's required is not becoming a legal eagle so that you master the law, because the Pharisees mastered the law, right? The Pharisees were masters of the law, but they weren't right postured, right heart postured before God. They decided the law became something to conquer. They became legal eagles, but when God led them in the wilderness, he wasn't leading them to be a legal eagle, to justify themselves through their works of obedience. No, God was really actually working on their heart posture. What's the posture of your heart? And, you know, yesterday in my consecrations, I told you that this, this, this wilderness experience for me has a public part. That's this that we're here now with. It has a private part, the part I do on my own, the part that it's me and God, just me and God. Speak to me, Lord. And so if you're going to do this, of course, you need that part on your own too, right? Where you're in this wilderness experience, you would God. So there's this community piece, which we're doing here. And then there's this individual intimate piece, which is where you do a private time with God. And so during that time, I was listening to the word mostly. I also listened to some worship, but I was listening to the word, meditating on the word of God, seeking deeper understanding on the word of God. And I've been through the word of God before, but every time you go through the word of God, God gives you a deeper enlightenment. And I want to share the revelation that God gave me in day one. After we did this call, I went into another consecration moment with the Lord, and he gave me a revelation, and I'm going to share that revelation with you, and I believe that's what God wants, because what God's been hitting me with is, I need, we've got a kind of a, we've got what in this, in, in, our, in our lives, we have a portion of our life that's a dead faith. It's, it has gnosis knowledge, the Greek word for knowledge, right? But it has no drasi, the Greek word for action. It's, it's generally assumed that gnosis will give birth to drasi, that knowledge gives birth to action. But we can testify, right, that not everything that we know God has instructed, we've been able to act 
act upon in conjunction with the knowledge. Somehow there's this disconnect between the knowing and the acting because of a bad condition in our heart, a heart posture issue. And see, he led them out into the desert and Moses went up on the mountain. They had no idea what Moses was going up there for. Moses might have known, but they didn't have a complete idea. They, 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 but, but we know now from the word of God, they went up there and Moses went up there to get the requirements. See, God was going to write down some requirements, some house rules, and he was going to come down from the mountain with these requirements. And see, it would then require a disciple's heart posture to be a disciple of Moses, right? That's what the Pharisees said. We are disciples of Moses. They weren't really. They were lying. They were just using the knowledge of Moses to justify their actions. But their heart posture was wrong. God had never intended for what Moses brought down from the mountain, the requirements that he brought down from the mountain were never, never, never meant to become weapons in the hands of men to manipulate and to dominate. It was requirements and house rules for a level of intimacy with the father. It was for a relationship. And what it should have done was made them humble. And what it should have done was made them broken. And what it should have done is gave them godly reverence and godly fear because the exacting holy nature of God were in those requirements. And that exacting holy nature, when it was put into the ears and the hearts of men, should have immediately said inside, the heart posture should have immediately been, Oh my goodness, this is pure holiness, and I'm not about that. I need to humble myself. I need to be still. I need to listen. I need to become a student. I need to become broken and submitted. My heart posture should be one of humility, brokenness, and submission. Wow. The requirements of God are overwhelming. I cannot do this, Lord, without your help, without your guidance, without your direction, without your ongoing presence. I need this river flowing on the inside of me. For those of you only hearing the recording, that was a worship song that we were listening to before we started the word. And so I'm just piggybacking on it. The lyrics sort of go, I've got a river flowing on the inside of me. It's something I can't explain. I feel it in my bones. The river is raging. And you might say, well, that's not Pentecost or 3CE. They were led out into the desert. They, they didn't have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. No, but they had the physical presence of God for it says that they walked by cloud in the day, right? And they walked by moonlight in the night. God's eminent presence, the Shekinah was over the tent of meeting. And so they did have a focus for which they could have had the right heart posture. These requirements are deep. These requirements are holy, and I find inside my mortal members something that wants to wage war against these requirements.
And that knowledge shapes my heart posture so that I'm humble, so that I'm broken, so that I'm submitted. This isn't something I can dominate. This isn't something I can control. This is not something that I need to turn into a legal document that I can become a legal eagle and then turn around and beat up other people with it. This is something that's overwhelming. This is crushing my spirit. Hallelujah. That's what he led them out in the wilderness for, for them to be in awe of their husband, to be in awe of their God, to be in awe of their father, to be in awe of his holiness and his greatness, and to just be overwhelmed by his presence. That's the purpose of the requirements, and that was the purpose of the wilderness experience. You know, since the Hellenistic movement in the church so many years ago, we focus now on tidbits of information and knowledge. We're very heavy on the gnosis, but very light on the drossy. But God is like, that was never the intention. It was never here for you to intellectualize what I was sharing with you. What I was sharing with you were the requirements of our ongoing relationship, requirements that you met in the garden without even thinking about it, that now that the absence of the Holy Spirit is your issue, you now have to think about it and apply yourself for it. But yet, look, I'm still here. I'm still here, even though you're disobedient, even though you're unsubmitted, even though you're unbroken, even though you disobey me and go against my direction, I'm still here because of my love, for my compassion. And so the heart posture should have been gratitude. He led us out of Egypt. And we complained the whole time we were in Egypt. We're complaining about everything that happened in Egypt. We complained and complained and complained and complained. When Pharaoh told us make bricks without straw, we complained. When Pharaoh demanded things from us because Moses kept confronting him, we complained. But he still led us out of Egypt. When we were at the Red Sea and we were afraid that we were going to be overwhelmed by the Egyptian army, we complained. But yet, look, my father is still here. My husband is still here. He still loves me. And this should have created gratitude. This should have created brokenness. This should have created submission. This should have created an intimate relationship. This should have left us in awe, wowed with our mouth gaped open. And now even as disciples, this is how the river is raging. Gifts are given without repentance. Just because you can give a good oratory or give a prophetic word, just because you're a good evangelist or you've got good counseling skills, gifts are given without repentance. That is not the sign of the intimacy of the relationship. That's the sign of the faithfulness of our God. But the sign of the intimacy of the relationship is in your heart posture, your brokenness, your reverence. I revere my father. I revere his word. I exalt 
his word to a place of supremacy in my life over all other knowledge, over all other wisdom, over all other glory. My father's word is precious. His teachings is precious. His commands are precious. His directives are precious. And I'm watching my own heart posture. Because see, heart, you don't know how to behave all the time. You get out of line, heart. You're not exactly like Jesus. You're not exactly in complete submission. I've got to petition you, buffet you, address you. And yes, I've got to rebuke you. How many of you rebuke your own heart? for your reverence for God. See, that's the heart posture. But anyway, I digress. The revelation. The revelation is simple. God gave a message that you're all familiar with. We refer to them as the Beatitudes. It's also referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew 5, 1 through the chapter 7. So chapter 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Very famous sermon. Most of us as disciples are familiar with that sermon. If we're honest with ourselves, we struggle with some aspects of that sermon. The revelation is that Matthew 13 was Christ's response to what happened at the Sermon on the Mount. See, large crowds were following him, and then he went and gave the Sermon on the Mount. He went up on the Mount. And he gave the sermon. His first major address in his ministry. And he gave directions. He said, blessed are the ones who are poor in human spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who walk in mourning of the reality of the condition. But see, we don't understand what poor in spirit and mourning means. We take it as negatives. But what he's saying is, your heart posture is that I'm poor in human spirit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know what I'm talking about? My heart ain't 100% right. And I know it. But God's holy. So I revere him. I'm watching my heart. Because it don't know how to act. So I'm poor in human spirit. I'm not, I don't have anything to brag about. There's nothing for me to hang my hat on except Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. I mourn the reality of the condition. You know, we have a two become one ministry where Pastor Harvey and Pastor Jackie Lott uh, address marriage issues. They've been married for 30 some odd years. I'm always adding three or four years to the marriage. So I changed it to 30 some odd because every time I give a definitive number, I'm wrong. But and I'm prophesying, Pastor Harvey. That's where y'all going <laughs> to, the, to, to the other years that I had mentioned. And he had put, well, we're not going to have two become one today, but everybody, please pray for the folks in Illinois. Yeah, because evidently yesterday at the parade, someone decided to fire weapons and, and it, it was it, it was there was death and there was loss of life. See, mourning the condition doesn't mean you walk around with your head hanging down depressed. I'm not depressed because Christ said that these are these are uh, birth pains. These are signs of the glory. He says, when you see these things start to happen, lift your head up because your deliverance is in here. 
But I do mourn the condition, the condition of the unsaved, the condition of this world, the condition of those entering this world, the condition of the way some leave this world, the condition of the way some live in this world. For some live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their God is their stomach. And I mourn the condition. And I'm subject to that condition. If I'm not careful, if I'm not submitting the right righteousness, I could fall prey to the very same things therefore I'm prey to. See, I'm not just mourning their situation. I'm mourning the potential of me being in that situation if I don't keep myself in alignment and in consecration with the Lord. And he goes on for three chapters. And the people were amazed because he spoke not like the Pharisees, but like one with authority. But after God had given the Sermon on the Mount, and after God had released the word in the desert, did you give me sacrifices and offerings in the desert, O house of Israel? No, you celebrated your God of Raphan. First century disciples, did you obey the Beatitudes and walk in submission to everything I said? No, you delighted in my miracles and you marveled in my presence but in the end, you put me to death. And so Matthew 13, large crowds are there again. Some maybe already heard the Sermon on the Mount. Some maybe heard other sermons. But their heart posture isn't all right. All these people, heart posture is not right. Christ has a way of addressing things without addressing you directly. He addresses it in another way without directly addressing you. And so Matthew 13, the revelation the Lord gave me, was Jesus' response to the events after he gave the Sermon on the Mount. Let us read Matthew 13. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the household and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him, and he got on a boat and sat in it. And while all the people stood on the shore, he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out and sowed seed. Jesus is the farmer. The seed is the word. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path. The path is the heart. And the birds came and ate it up. In this case, the birds of the devil and his demons. Some fell on the rocky places. Rocky places is another type of heart posture. Where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly. They believed and enjoyed and rejoiced. Because the soil was shallow, they sprung up quickly. It didn't build deep roots. They didn't count the cost. They didn't realize that this was a total transformation of their being. You know, when someone comes and asks you for a dollar, this, you could sprint up quickly, right, and give them a dollar. If somebody comes up and says, I need $100,000, you got to take some time to think about that, right? You don't just go, oh, sure, here's $100,000. No, because the decision is bigger. And the consequences are bigger. And the issues are bigger. 
And so what he's saying is, I gave you the word. When a, when a normal person, this wouldn't, you wouldn't spring up quickly because you would realize the challenge that this word's going to have on your mortal being. How much effort you've got to put in in order to be prepared to accept this word. But the shallow listen to the beauty of it and go, they spring up quickly. But when the sun comes up, sun is trouble and worries. The plant gets scorched. Why? Because plants above ground draw their sap and nourishment from the roots underground. They sprung up so quickly, they never established enough roots. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns. Thorns is the heart. That seed is the word. It fell upon thorny hearts. And it grew some, but the thorns choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160, 30 times what was sown. Now he who has hears, let him hear. See, I gave you the sermon on the mount some time ago. And I told you the word in the wilderness. I gave you the law, Moses, when I came off the mountain. You said it sounded good to you and that you were going to obey it. But you didn't. I gave you the Sermon on the Mount. You see how these parallels in wilderness experiences? The first thing that happens in the wilderness is God is going to start giving you requirements. And God is deep. He's not shallow. So you're not going to be able to spring up quickly. And so I gave you this word. <laughs> I'll tell you, farmer, go and throw out some seed. But the heart postures will tell me what kind of soil you are. Now, the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to people's and people in parables? Let me show you something. This is a deep revelation. Everything. You ever heard the saying, attitude reflecting latitude? Well, your heart posture reflects everything about you in Christ. In fact, God's got a special curse for people with a bad heart posture. Here it is. Disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to people in parables? And he replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more. Meaning if you believe the word of God and you apply it, then God will give you ever-increasing wisdom. But if you hear the word of God and don't apply it, whatever you did know and were applying is going to dissipate. Special curse for the people with a bad heart posture. Whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Why? Though hearing, they do not understand. Why? This is in fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing and never understanding. You will be ever seeing and never perceiving. For these people's hearts have become callous. And they are hard. They hardly hear with their ears. They close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. 
and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but did not see it and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Now, listen to what the parable of the soul means. When anyone hears the message, see, the message is the Sermon on the Mount. The message is not Jesus is Lord. Satan knows Jesus is Lord. The message is not God is sovereign. Satan knows God is sovereign. That's not the message of the kingdom. That's only an evidential part of the truth of the kingdom. The message of the kingdom was the Sermon on the Mount. When anyone hears the message of the kingdom and does not understand it, meaning I have to obey this. The evil one will come and snatch away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Because of your bad heart posture, because you loveless, because you callous, I talk to you, but you do not hear me. I show you, but you do not see. It's right in front of you, but you cannot comprehend it. Because these people's heart have become callous and they hardly hear with their ears and see with their eyes. For if they had heard with their ears, my words would have been effective. And if they had seen with their eyes, my words would have been effective. effective. And if they'd understood in their heart, my words would have been effective. And they would have turned around. And the broken and contrite, I cannot turn aside. Now, the one who receives the seed that fell on the rocky place is the man who hears the word and receives it with joy. But since he has no root in himself, he lasts only a short time. And when trouble and persecution come because of obedience to the word, he quickly falls away. The one who receives the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who receives the seed that fell on the good soil is the man who hears the word of God, understands it, and produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. Yes, we're in the desert. We're all in the desert. Caleb was in the desert. Joshua was in the desert. Moses was in the desert. The sons of Korah were in the desert. God pulled us all into the desert. He pulled us all into the wilderness. But if in the wilderness, we do not have the right heart posture, it would not matter whether we were in the wilderness or in Egypt. In fact, we would have been better off in Egypt. So when God was giving this revelation, I was like, wow, that's right. He was really talking to the people about, y'all listen to me, but are you listening to me? Y'all hear me, but do you hear me? Y'all see, but do you really see? Then I turn that word back to myself. Let me check you, heart. What kind of heart are you? King David, a man after God's own heart, said, I cry out to the Lord. Search my heart, O Lord, and see if there be any iniquity within me. 
There's something I can't explain. I feel it on the move. The river is raging. That's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I will give you water and you will never thirst again. If you knew who I was, if you knew who I am, you would ask me and I would give you a river of water that you would never thirst again. Saints. Saints. How's our heart posture? How's our attitude towards the Beatitudes? That determines what kind of soil we are. That's it. It's simple. He's leading us into the wilderness to give us the requirements for relationship. Father, Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your special name among men. Father, we ask that you continue to bless the souls of the saints, those who hear the recording, those who are here live, those who are destined to hear the recording but maybe didn't hear it yet. Bring us all, my God, into the oneness of understanding through your word, through the preciousness of your spirit, through the guidance. And Father, may we love you and may we submit to you. And may we constantly keep ourselves in check in the spirit constantly repenting, constantly broken, constantly contrite until the day that we enter into the fullness and Christ comes and takes us home. We pray, Father God, for the souls. We pray for their understanding, for their wisdom. We pray for their life. We pray that you continue to glorify yourself through them. In Jesus' mighty name. And the body of Christ says, can we get an amen in the house of the Lord? Amen. 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 Have a great morning, saints.